into the contest. It is Monday the 25th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. How are you, Shane Lee? A bit of a sore throat today, Timmy, but uh, not too bad. I had a nice weekend, actually. It was good fun. We'll go and have some lamb sip and some gargle. Well, yeah. yesterday, no, I didn't tell too many people about it, but this horse I've got a little share of, Prince Nakoni, just keeps on keeping on. Uh, it was in the wet in the Sapphire Coast, and he, he's, he's got out in front of the, the leader and won his third time in seven races. So uh, he'll be one to watch going forward. Prince Nakoni, Shane. I love him, mate. All the way to the bank, Timmy. Is he running? Yeah, yeah, well, hopefully he'll just keep going. <laughs> hopefully he'll keep going. All right, big show on the way. Look, we've been talking about it for a while now. Usman Khawaja uh, has come out and talked about uh, the future of one-day cricket. Novak Djokovic, I don't think he'll be at the US Open. And Collingwood, the cardiac kids create history. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. No, we've been talking about it, um, about one-day cricket and does it have a future? Usman Khawaja, one of the highest-profile Australian cricketers, has basically echoed what we've said. He definitely has. He said that uh, one-day cricket is dying a slow death. And uh, as I said, Timmy, it's, it's hard to believe that it's not. It's um, all the players with the, the unbelievable scheduling and the, the amount of games they have to try and fit into a year now. Um, it's becoming harder and harder for players to... To, to play both T20 cricket where they can earn the big money and then stay stay a traditionalist and play test cricket. And unfortunately, that bit in the middle, 50-over cricket, is the one that is dying a slow death. And, um, yeah, I think after this year, I think uh, they'll be giving it a big review. And I think cricket needs a, a big review overall anyway. Did you ever score a quadruple century? Never. Only in the backyard, once against Brett. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't really count. This is unbelievable. A guy called Sam Northeast uh, playing against Leicestershire, um, Fergal Morgan, 410 not out of 450 balls. He's a ninth, um, that's the ninth largest first class score in history. Um, he was dropped on 96 and gone on to make 410 not out. But, you know, Brian Lara has the highest first class score at 501 not out. Bradman, 452. Mm. Um, I didn't realise didn't Bill Ponsford scored two. 400s, 429 and 428. So he's in very, very, very good company. He's in rarefied air. No doubt he was hitting the ball north, south, east and west. (laughs) And west, yes. Now, Novak Djokovic, uh, uh, a stunning final at Wimbledon, wasn't it, where Nick Kyrgios got beaten and Djokovic just extraordinary. Whether you like him or hate him, his return of serve is just out of this world, and it doesn't look like he'll be at Flushing Meadows for the US Open. Well, he's been a lot more pragmatic, isn't he, with this one after his experience in Australia um, only last year. Uh, basically, he's been named in, in the US Open by the US Open itself, but um, under US law, if you are not a US citizen, you have to be fully vaccinated. So being realistic, he said he probably won't be playing in this US Open. Yeah, so um, that's just going to be the way mm. it is. Surely over the next few years, things will just uh, normalise. They, they have to. Uh, but uh, anyway, motorsport, and look, he did well this morning, or did better. Daniel Ricciardo coming ninth. Uh, that comes amidst speculation from McLaren boss Zach Brown 
about a potential replacement for the Australian. Yeah, well, they're talking about bringing in uh, a young guy from Indy. Mm. Um, but, you know, Ricardo has been pretty adamant. He's 18 months into a three-year contract. He said he's not going anywhere. Um, but it just sounds like that, that the McLaren boss, Zach Brown, may be trying to performance manage him, him out here. Um, but as we said before, with all this stuff that he's doing with Netflix, um, he really needs that platform to make that work. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, a tussle of the of the boss versus the, the employee here. Yeah, and the whole Michael Schumacher story, obviously it's uh, laced with tragedy and, and mm. uh, you know, we, we get little trinkets of information about the state of his health, but it sort of seems pretty obvious that uh, whatever his health is, we can't, he can't communicate. It is, it no. is an odd one though, isn't it? Look, it's, it's a bit... It's 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 a strange story, isn't it? Though, look, I get the privacy thing, but um, this is this is almost uh, the plot made in a movie. It is, mate. It's um, it'd be very very hard to um, I suppose it's very hard to comment because you're not in that situation yourself mm. with 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 a loved one. But it just seems very strange that um, he's been kept alive for this long. Um, he clearly can't communicate. Um, the former Ferrari boss says that he goes around and watches Formula One with him. Um, it doesn't say that he speaks to him, but he just sits there mm. and, um, you know, his wife's doing everything she can to, you know, she said he's still with us, but it's in a very different capacity. So, yeah, very, very sad story for for an absolute legend of the sport. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm. I had the opportunity to interview him years and years ago and, like, he's, he's legion of fans, so many people. Uh, and, like, when you're an F1 fan, you're a fanatic, aren't you? So, uh, mm. so many people are fascinated and genuinely interested. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a story that... Um, is not going to. I don't. I, I don't think they'll ever open up about it. To be honest with you, we got. We got a lot on the way. We got all the footy, the AFL, and the NRL. And hasn't there been some drama? What about Collingwood, Shano? The cardiac kids create history. I love watching the Collingwood Football Club play, particularly mm. this year. They are just on fire. They beat Essendon 80-76. to 76. Jamie Elliott um, icing a goal after the siren. And it's every kid's dream, kicking one from the sidelines. And he was so calm and collected and just slotted it straight through. That takes them now. They have a record, Collingwood. No other team ever in the VFL or AFL history have won seven in a row. Yeah with a smaller community uh, uh, margin. They are just winning games by very, very small margins and just keep doing it. Winning is a habit. Yeah, and it's, it shows there's some belief there, doesn't it, when you when you get across yep. the line um, by narrow margins. And, uh, look, some fans have blown up. Jack Ginevan, look, he's one of these young superstars with all the flair in the world. And, uh, look, some of the fans reckon that he's being... Uh, well, you know, mistreated in some way because of the way that he plays and, and his flamboyant style. Look, there's no doubt he's milked some penalties in the past, but this one that Mason Redman um, from Essendon on the weekend, he took his bloody head off. Mm. Um, so the AFL have got to get this right. There, there is a balance there. Um, if they're found to be milky, yes, they should be penalised, but this one from Mason Redman on Jack Ginevan on the weekend was an absolute head-high, dangerous tackle. And he, you know, he should be facing um, time for that, I reckon. What did you think of the Swans? Uh, got out of the blocks early. Uh, John Longmire seemed to be happy with it. They sort of leaked some points towards the end, but um, very strong through the start. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant first quarter. I think we scored 50 or 60 points mm. in the first quarter, one of our highest uh, first quarters in a very long time. But, yeah, 118 to 85 in the end. And, um, 
you know, Buddy good. Um, all around the ground, the Swans are good. And, um, yeah, they're, they're coming good at the right time of the year. Toby Green. Look, he's playing Look. In, a, in a side that's wobbling along, isn't he? But uh, he is just amazing. Like, uh, everyone talks about his temperament and his drama and the bad boy. But when he flies, th- this has got to be the mark of the year or close to it. Close to it, Timmy. He, he flew. Um, but once again, as you said, Carlton smashing GWS 90 to 54. And mm. the only bright light at all was Toby Green's mark and yeah he did he flew high it's um it's worth going to YouTube to see that one he got it felt like a couple of meters off the ground in the end and um just took it easily came down and and played on yeah yep. a brilliant footballer all right now r- rugby league rugby league um this is uh high drama uh with West Tigers and North Queensland of course they they've had a bit of a rivalry after the 2005 grand final where Benji and Robbie and all the boys mm-hmm. got up and, and won the premiership and now all the news that Benji and Robbie are going back to coach with Tim Sheens but it, this was late in the game and, and and a decision a shocking decision by the video and the the video referee um, to allow a penalty for North Queensland. They're even looking to take legal action over what happened at the end of the game. I don't know how far that will get them. But, um, yeah, I do feel sorry for the for the West Tigers because, uh, yeah, that, that looked awfully tough for them. Yeah, awfully well, it, tough. It's just lucky that they're not in a, in a, uh, a position to, to, to make the eight. And, mm. um, yeah, it was, uh, it was just ugly. It was just... Uh, they, the bunker continued to get it wrong, and um, I don't know how many people sit in this bunker. Do you know, Timmy? Um, look, the bottom line is the whole system need to get it right. Yeah, like yeah. I, I just think that there's consistency needed right across the board when it comes to refereeing. Now, there's one thing that's consistent when they lose is Craig Bellamy blows up when <laughs> Melbourne lose, and they've lost four in a row. They've lost four in a row, and they slipped to fifth uh, on the ladder, and... Um, if they play this way during the, the finals period, they will not be a contender. Um, and he's been very adamant, uh, Craig Bellamy, saying that's the senior players that are at fault here, mm. um, just turning the ball over all the time. And you know, some of the big players are making those mistakes. And, and he said, once you turn the ball over, you've got to then rely on your defence, and the, the defence has been poor. So they're, they're, they're making mistakes at both sides of the ledger. Yeah, absolutely. What about uh, on a more positive front, this young Joseph Sawali with the Roosters, he just gets better and better and plays with a remarkable composure. Of course, he's been a part of the New South Wales squad this year. He's just 18 years of age. And again, on Friday against Newcastle, he was just superb. Well, he's, he's only real issue, I think, in the in the game of rugby league is whether he gets uh, poached to go and play for the Wallabies. Um he just has time. He has a lot of time adding your roles and composure. It is a rare combination for, for and athleticism. He, he's going to be a superstar of the future, no matter what code he plays. Oh, and the way he soars and the way he tackles, yep. like he's bruising. He is just yep. a player. He really is. Now, uh, on the subject of bruising, Mike Tyson, look, he's always been there for some odd comments, hasn't he? But he's made some what you could only describe as sad statements uh, in his podcast. Yeah, it's, I don't really understand this one, whether he's just trying to get profile for whether he's going to come back and have a fight or not. Um, but at 56 years of age, he said that money has never brought him any happiness. It's only brought him a lot of heartache and pain, and you never know who to trust. But he's basically come out and also said now that he thinks he's going to die pretty soon as well. <laughs> um, he's got spots on his face. I don't know what that means, whether he thinks it's an ageing process, but he doesn't think he's long for this world. And, um, yeah, it's a very, very sort of... 
uh, inward-looking Mike Tyson on, on his life and where he's been. And you think that someone that's had that much fame and success and earned a lot of money would be a lot happier than they are, and quite often they're not, Tim. Yeah, it's very odd, very odd mm. stuff. Um, now, what about this college gymnast, Olivia Dunn, um, from handsprings and baranis and basically cartwheels on social media. She's made millions. Obviously, she's doing it in a bikini. Look, Timmy, I had no idea you were up to date with your, uh, your gym, gymnastics, but um, yep, I don't know what a brownie is, but it sounds good. But, mate, she's uh, 19 years of age, and just on TikTok, she has 5.6 million followers, and she's made a million dollars in the last 12 months, and uh, they have sponsors clamouring over to to be part of her journey, and, um, and good on her. Um, we all know that... Uh, uh, gymnastics is an Olympic sport, and and they they really make money being not mm. a professional sport, and this is a way for her to uh, to make her fortune. And um, she's young, she's good looking, and and she does baranis. So there you go. My gymnastic career lasted one day, basically. Um, <laughs> you know the pommel horse. I yeah. basically hit the tramp, and I was trying to do a face fall, and I've blown the pommel, gone over the pommel, head first into the ground between the pommel and the mattress, and my mum, God rest her soul, and what a beautiful lady, she had to come to school and, and take me to Auburn Hospital. So that was the end of a gymnastics career that would never, ever begin. Now, yeah, I'll, um, rip, I'll the, rick his neck off uh, the start of uh, Wild World of Sports. Now, mate, uh, you've been out to dinner. Um, tell me more. Well, no. So I had, um, I had my brother Brett and mm. wife Lana and the kids over just on Saturday night for a, for an early dinner. Yeah. And my oldest daughter Zara was um, doing her first ever babysitting uh, job just around the corner with some other school friends. Yeah. And they've got two little kids, so Zara was excited to earn a few dollars, uh, but she was very nervous. And Uncle Brett, <laughs> my brother, decided to give her some advice just before she left. And he said to her, "The first bit of advice was good." Zara, make sure you ask them what their address is, just in case anything goes wrong. You know where to call. But Brett's a bit of a um, a bit of a safety Nazi as well, a bit like my dad. And um, so then he says to Zara, maybe ask them to where they keep their fire extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Brett, why don't you ask them if they can get the defibrillator out as well? <laughs> and I'll say, Zara, you will not be doing this babysitting gig. <laughs> Oh, geez, it made me laugh. But uh, look, oh, where's the, your fire extinguisher? Yeah, and the fibula. Anyway, but uh, I'm pleased to report that it went well. The kids are still alive, and uh, and Zara made a few bucks, so everyone's happy. That's it for afternoon sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors, our fantastic sponsors, the Osher Group. Timmy, if you're looking for a horse. A Prince of the County like you're at yours, go and check them out. They're, they're, they're the best guys to talk to. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Mr. Dan McHugh. We are back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.